0: Hello, 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 and welcome, welcome. This is your Threat Intel Briefing for June 5th, 2022 through June 11th, 2022. I hope you're working starting off good, and I want to thank you for joining me. Let's dive into the articles. All right, so the first article here is, uh, Lawmakers are racing to pass tech uh, antitrust reforms before the midterms. So known among staff and lawmakers as a self-preferencing or anti-discrimination law uh, bill, legislation would uh, prohibit dominant tech platforms like Amazon, Apple, Google, from giving preferential treatment to their own services and marketplaces that they operate. If passed, it could prevent companies like Google and Amazon from putting their results at the top. So this is an interesting idea. Anytime that you're creating a company or you're creating a service, you know, once you reach a certain platform or certain uh, popularity, you will start to face legal uh, regulations, you know, because you're just so popular. And with these companies in particular, you know, they're really close to kind of being a monopoly, right? I mean, Google, Amazon, all these companies, they are massive and they make a lot of money. But, um, you know, if you let a company get too big, then, it can take over the world, right? It can form a monopoly. And we've seen this with other companies in the past where a company just gets so big, they get so much power that, you know, over the market that they're forced to separate. But this is you know, really really no different. Um, I think that lawmakers you know, kind of in general are a little bit concerned with these large companies anyways. And it feels like they've really kind of gotten bigger than a lot of companies in the past that have been forced to break up earlier but you know it, it's something that you have to be cognizant of and aware of in companies that you're working for is how do you you know how do you create fair algorithms and platforms for
1: everybody and still win right
0: All right. Windows zero day exploited in U.S. local government phishing attacks. European government, European, European governments and U.S. local governments were the targets of a phishing campaign using RTF, rich text format documents designed to exploit Polina, which is a Windows zero day that we've been hearing about a lot lately. The attackers used salary increase promises to bait employees to open or... uh, to open the lure documents which then executed PowerShell scripts as the final payload. So this is really important. You have to train your users. Users are that first kind of entry that a lot of attackers go for. And that's because it, you know, users are usually an easier target than your high-tech technology that you've configured and you know, you have to invest in training your users. You have to require them to do user training, uh, you know, preferably at least annually. But when something comes out like Felina, you know, you really need to amp it up. You have to make sure that they're not going to click these kind of malicious payloads or documents that are probably going to launch exploits. Right. And then it comes down to user permissions. What are these users capable of doing? You know, with a lot of very, um, very secure kind of environments, You don't want your domain admin accounts to be able to open up uh, email documents or attachments or anything like that, if they can even access their email. So definitely
1: a concern.
0: LastPass mobile app offers access to your desktop vault without a master password. Previously, users had to type in a password so a master password to unlock their LastPass account. If you've never used LastPass, basically everything is encrypted until you enter that LastPass uh, password and then it's all unlocked. So, what LastPass is gonna do is they're gonna allow you to use your phone, phone's biometric login features like face and fingerprint unlock. So they're still gonna have master passwords for things like registering a LastPass account, add new trusted devices and make changes to an account or if the passwordless login attempt fails. But passwords are, you know, very vulnerable security measure for authentication. And we've seen it time and time again, passwords get compromised, passwords get reused and all this stuff. And, you know, if you're gonna still require passwords, it's gonna leave a vulnerable, you know, entry point into your network. So you have to find a way past it. Multi-factor authentication is a good step in the right direction. Using biometrics is very helpful, and it looks like LastPass is really gonna really gonna work towards
1: that for the environments.
0: Now, with that being said, here too, there was an article from Apple, an announcement, and Apple just killed the password for real this time. So, <clears throat> at their uh, convention here they announced that password password passwordless logins across Macs, iPhones, iPads, Apple TVs in September are gonna go to this kind of new feature. They're using pass keys for iOS 16 and macOS Ventura. Basically, uh, passwords are being uh, replaced by using digital keys using touch ID or face, uh, face ID. So again, They're just trying to get you away from using passwords because passwords are so vulnerable. Even with quantum computing, you know, that kind of computing power, it speeds up how fast you can crack a password. Traditionally, we've known that passwords that are longer and more complex, or that are passphrases, you know, they're more secure. They're harder to break, right? But with quantum computing, that speeds up the process and makes it less trivial to break some of these passwords that are supposed to be very very long and you know this is just another case of it so this is another company that's moving towards getting away from passwords and you should use multi-factor authentication anyways all right next article here how the c-suite puts shoulders into zero trust in 2022 executive leaders across the organizations are prioritizing zero trust security strategies in the next year <clears throat> and 80 uh, percent of cxo technology leaders so any of the c levels report that zero trust is a significant priority for the organizations 77 percent of exec- executives saying they'll increase spending to support this prioritization added zero trust Funding will be significant, with more than two thirds, uh, or more than two of five executives, reporting an increase of 26% or more. 53% of organizations saying that their initial implementations of zero trust strategies were per- put underway fewer than two years ago. So, if you don't know what zero trust is, basically, historically, we've really focused on the perimeter security, so firewalls, access control lists. Things like that. And then when you get into the networks, there's are a little bit more uh, trust. There's more trust that exists there. Well, that's a bad idea. Why? Because we've known and we have found out that companies are basically all either attacked already and uh, compromised or they're going to be. It's just a matter of time. And so what zero trust does is internally, it gets rid of that implicit trust. So you're not trusted just because you're on the inside, right? we're assuming that your network is already compromised. And it's a great strategy, but we also see that, you know, high security measures like this, they come with a cost, right? So even like NIST risk risk management framework, RMF, which is the NIST special publications 800-37 and 53 and all these publications, you know to fully implement some of this stuff, it's very expensive. It's very cost prohibitive, prohibitive, and you have to really You know be willing to give the resources and the manpower to actually implement some of this stuff So it's interesting. It's good to see that a lot of these organizations are gonna, you know, put resources in there But we'll see where this leads us All right next article an emerging threat attacking 5G via network slices. So Deloitte and Touche, which is a consulting firm, researchers have uncovered a potential avenue of attacking targeting network slices, which is a fundamental part of 5G's architecture. So these slices, think of them as like specialized IP kind of packets, right? They have a specific function that there are, that they are providing capabilities for, So one of the examples that it gives is like automated vehicles that are providing near zero uh, zero latency. Okay, so that specialized function. And the key with 5G is this is supposed to be the thing of the future, right? This is supposed to support a lot of our public safety services, military services, critical infrastructure, and industrial internet of things, IIoT. So it's supposed to support a lot of this critical infrastructure and critical services and products. So of course we need it to be very secure. If you get into any of these kind of services or functions where it is critical, like um, you know, public safety, where human life is at risk. Well, if you've studied for CISSP, then you know, you know, human safety is extremely important. And that is something that we cannot budge on. We have to make sure that it is reliable and that it functions as we want it to. So if you're looking for some, uh, an area that is emerging as far as technologies and security, this is it. Go study this, go focus on this because you know, this is not going away. This is gonna bring in a lot of stuff I'm sure in the future as far as research opportunities and things that we need to secure, right? Just look at regular TCP IP. There's things that we're still finding out that are vulnerable. This is gonna be around for a while.
1: All right, next article here, bring this up. All right, evasive
0: phishing mixes reverse tunnels and URL shortening services. Again, this is gonna be the attacker techniques section. So security researchers are seeing an uptick in the use of reverse tunnel services, along with URL, URL shorteners for large scale phishing campaigns, making the malicious activity more difficult to stop. So traditionally what happens is these services, these phishing attackers, they register domains and they use these services. Then somebody complains, they report it, and then eventually these services will shut down these services or these phishing campaigns. Well, with this, attackers or these phishing campaigns, they're able to actually host this stuff locally on their own systems. And then they just set up a URL shortening service and they can generate links as they get shut down and bypass detection. That's not good for us on the uh, defensive side, you know, on the good guys side, because these phishing sites, you know, they can be refreshed in 24 hours and just keep running along. So that's a serious concern. That's a unique attack vector for sure and method. And it's something that, you know, these services, they've really got to get good at detecting this stuff. And especially the URL shortening services because you know they're the ones that are gonna be uh, helping us detect and shut this stuff down before it really kicks off the ground. So very interesting. Now, I hope that you're enjoying this. If you are, make sure to give it a like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. And again, this is really gonna focus on a lot of the, uh, the, a lot of the news that's going on, the threat intel that's going on. So if you're trying to get into cybersecurity, This is a really good avenue to learn about what's going on in the industry. If you're already in the industry, then you're learning about things that are going on right now, and this is gonna help you in your everyday job. So also make sure to use this as CPE credits for your certifications. So remember, you can definitely report this as CPEs and um, you know, leave a comment, that way your name is in here. So if you do get audited, you know, you're ready to go and you can just say, Hey, look, my name is there, check it out. And, um, you know, you'll be safe from being audited and losing those CPEs. But let's get back to the articles now.
1: Let's see here. So next article here, we'll pull up.
0: All right, Evil Core pivots LockBit to dodge US sanctions. Cyber criminal group is distancing itself from its previous branding. And we see this a lot of times with different groups. They will become very well known and then they get busted and then they start pivoting into some other name or some other branding because they, you know, they want to continue to do their thing, but they, you know, they can't do it under their old pseudoname, right? Evil Court has shifted tactics once again, this time pivoting to a bit ransomware after US sanctions made it difficult for them to do their financial gains. Researchers from Mandian have been tracking this group, UNC2165, that has numerous overlaps with EvilCore, and it's likely a reincarnation of that group. UNC2165 is using a combination of the fake updates infections chain to gain access to target networks followed, followed by LockBit ransomware. You know, just like the URL shortener Uh, article that we talked about as these companies, or rather these attacker groups, uh, I call them companies because a lot of times they act like companies and they operate like that, but if they're able to pivot and, you know, go to other, other groups or act under different names, it really comes down to being able to target the signature, target their activity and stop them, you know, and a lot of these services that they use, hopefully they continue to get better and better and better because we rely on them to help us stop these groups so they can't continue to do their certain things that they're doing. Like ransomware, what do they you know, capitalize on? What is their attack vector? What is their technique? And how do we detect that? How do we stop them quicker? So very interesting to, uh, to watch and track. Next article that I want you to really focus on FBI warning this gang steals data from ransomware, then it makes harassing phone calls to pile on the pressure. So, not only is this group demanding ransomware, and they're called the uh, Karakert group, but they're then, uh, so, and their ransomware is 25,000 to 13 million in Bitcoin. But so they demand this ransomware, and then they go and they call the employees or the suppliers or the partners, uh, the business partners, and they you know, say, hey, you need to make sure that they pay this. It's a very interesting tactic because a lot of times, you know, these attacking groups, these phishing campaign groups, they don't wanna to talk to the group, the, uh, their victim. They wanna just get paid. And you know, they're, it's a very aggressive attack, uh, technique to actually call somebody and demand this kind of ransomware, especially at these high price figures. But, you know, it's, it's something that we're seeing more and something we need to be aware of. So hopefully you're not facing that. All right. Multi-level extortion. Deadbolt ransomware targets internet-facing NAS devices. The Deadbolt ransomware family is targeting QNAP and, uh, a, Asus store network attached storage devices, NAS devices, by deploying a multi-tiered scheme aimed at both the vendors and the victims. So this is really interesting. So they are not only going after the victims, which is the traditional way of doing things, they're actually going after the vendors too. So they're offering the victims a payout, so you can pay out to unlock your device, to unencrypt it, but they're also offering vendors a uh, master decryption key. How nice of them, right? <laughs> okay, so I will, I will give it to them. That That is pretty unique. It's definitely an interesting approach, but um, you know, I think this is gonna force vendors and a lot of the, the victims to really work together, and I don't think it's gonna end up working in their favor once the vendors and everybody can kind of figure out what's going on and how to stop it it's probably just going to expedite the resolution but you know nonetheless it's pretty interesting and it's the idea of going after the deepest pockets right you know a lot of times the vendors probably have deeper pockets or more incentive to go ahead and pay for that that master key than in an individual system or a couple systems right especially if you're talking about that last ransomware where it's you know 25,000 or 13 million you know, maybe you can capitalize on a little bit more of that that amount. So that's a really interesting technique
1: there. All right,
0: Linux version of Blackbasta ransomware targets VMware ESXi servers. So Blackbasta is the latest ransomware gang to add support for encrypting VMware ESXi virtual machines running on enterprise Linux servers. So. Here's another incident uh, example of going after the deeper pockets, right? Instead of going for an end user consumer trying to lock up their computer, get maybe like a hundred bucks. They're going after these enterprises where there's a lot more data at stake. There's a lot more just financial, you know, benefit at stake uh, for these companies to unlock all their data and for these ransomware groups to really take advantage of these group, these uh, enterprises. And not only that, you know, enterprises they're going to have faster hardware. They're going to have you know more capabilities to encrypt stuff a lot faster with a single command. And it's you know it's again it's we're seeing a lot of these groups come out r- with really creative things that they're doing and really creative ways to try to maximize what they're, they're um, you know they're going after.
1: So very very interesting.
0: All right. Well, I hope that I hope that you enjoyed the uh, the this episode and this threat intel briefing for June fifth, twenty twenty two, to June sixth. Uh, <laughs> can't even talk. June eleventh, twenty twenty two. This is your threat intel briefing. Uh, again, leave a comment with your name so that you make sure that if you're using this for CPEs or continuing education credits, that you do get credit and that if you get audited, you know, you're secure on that, and they're not gonna take back the credits that they gave you. Uh, I hope that you've enjoyed this, and until next time,
1: I'll see you later.